everybody. Welcome to the Living Real Podcast. I'm Melanie Shaw, your host, as well as founder and editor-in-chief of Living Real Magazine. On the 10th of each month, I will get to introduce you to someone that I've met who has a sincere desire to live out their real faith in real life. Someone who doesn't mind sharing their struggles because they want to encourage us to stay the course. Someone who's overcome and can testify to the faithfulness of Almighty God. I'm so excited about each conversation that we're going to have, and I pray God will use our words to bring glory to His Son, Jesus Christ. So are you ready? I know I am. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Living Real Podcast. I'm really excited today to have Amy and Sammy Abinson-Guza with us and um, being able to share about the McKenzie Foundation and just what God's doing in their lives as he is growing their faith and stretching their faith in amazing ways. So let's get started. And first, I just want to welcome you guys and thank you so much for being a part of the Living Real Podcast, helping us to get your story out and um, just for being obedient servants of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Melanie. We are really glad to be here today. It is an honor, and we consider it a privilege to be able to share our story. So we appreciate you having us. Great. It's really exciting. I mean, who knew that this time of the year I would be here all the way from Uganda to share about what God has been doing across the globe, to be honest. Mm. So Mm. it's such an honor to be here today. I'm thrilled that both of you are here. So what I would like to do first is just um, let you share with the audience a little bit about yourself. You know, just just tell about what you do and just get us acquainted with who you are. Okay, so I'll go first. Um, I am Amy and I am a mom and a wife. Uh, I uh, am also a manager for um, a very large um, company here in the Midlands. I have a son who is a U.S. Marine veteran. Um, I'm also a mother to uh, an angel that lives in heaven, and we'll get into that a little bit um, as we talk. Um, But I am also the uh, executive director of the McKenzie Foundation, and um, we are just it's overwhelming to uh, be able to share and talk about what God's doing uh, in and through us with the McKenzie Foundation. Um, and so it, it's just, I get really excited, and um, I'll let Sammy tell you a little bit about himself before I go into all of that. All right. Uh, my name is Samuel Abinsinguza, and together with my wife, we have the privilege of serving in the McKenzie Foundation as directors. Uh, I'm from Uganda, and I just moved to the United States about four months ago. I'm learning new things. It's a dream come true, but it also is a great reminder that God can really do that impossible. And that's the same thing we really want to see happen for these children in Uganda in the McKenzie Foundation. Great. All right. Well, let's talk about McKenzie first because her name is all over this 
podcast mm-hmm. and some people who don't know the story of Mackenzie, I would like to know first, Amy, about how you would describe her. <laughs> so Mackenzie was um, born with an old soul. Uh, we said that often. She uh, would often tell me that she was the mother in our relationship. Um, she had she was she was very grounded, um, but at the same time she was a lot of fun. Um, she was dramatic and. Um, she had a wide variety of friends and um, she enjoyed things like cheerleading she um, enjoyed uh, helping out with um, animals she was a huge animal lover and um, what I learned most from her and about her later in life was her love for and passion um, for Jesus and Mm -hmm. helping others um, to start and and just really um, flourish in their own personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah. When I first uh, met Mackenzie, it was in Uganda in Kampala. She had come uh, for a mission trip to serve homeless children who live on the streets of Uganda. What caught my attention about her was her confidence in fearlessly showing love to these children and believing that you can actually make a difference in their lives. Her faith and passion towards that just caught me by surprise, and it was my first impression of her. Mm, That's cool. My first impression of Mackenzie was in third grade, Mm -hmm. because that was when she showed up at Springdale Elementary School, Mm -hmm. and she was in my daughter Madison's class, and they just hit it off immediately, and Madison just has that innate desire to always reach out to the person that seems like they're on the outside anyway and so Mackenzie being the new kid on the block she was the first in line to to make friends with her and when she came to our house I thought that is the biggest most adult little eight-year-old I've ever (laughs) seen in my life she was full of life full of sass Mm. um bossy little girl Mm -hmm. Um, but she just seemed so grown up. And so that friendship led to mine and your friendship, Amy. And it has just been an amazing adventure. To I'm, I'm just so excited that I've been a part of her life and mm. your life. And seeing what God's doing in your life now, has, is only God could be in charge. Only because he's large and in charge anyway. Mm. But this has just um, been quite an adventure. And just to watch the girls grow up, and I think, of course, the most important night ever at our house with Mackenzie was after um, she had received Christ, which was just two years before she went to live with him forever. Um, And we celebrated that here around the table with her favorite meal, which was my spaghetti recipe. Um, and every time I eat spaghetti, that's what I think of oh, is wow. Mackenzie. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she's she's left quite an impression on all of us and on many many people, and I'm excited that uh, her legacy is being carried on. Mm. But her faith was hers, and your faith is yours. Yes. So now five years has passed um, mm. since uh, that tragic day. So I would like, if you don't mind, um, sharing a little bit of what happened on February 2nd. Yeah, so 
Um, <clears throat> Mackenzie's brother uh, was new to the Marine Corps, and he had just finished a training and had a graduation in uh, North Carolina. So Mackenzie had um, a lab that morning at school. She was in nursing school, and she was on her way back to North Carolina to uh, celebrate with us. Uh, and her brother, and uh, she had a single car accident on I-95 in Dillon County. Um, I had talked to her about an hour before the accident. Um, You know, you always end your phone call with, I love you, and I'll see you soon. Um, The day progressed. She was about uh, four hours away from being where we were when I had talked to her. So the day progressed, and as it got time for me to meet her and she didn't show up, um, you know, that was completely unlike her. She was one of the most responsible um, young adults that that I knew, and um, so it was really unlike her not to show up on time. So there was a period where um, I was looking for and couldn't find her. Um, I got a text from one of my neighbors that said, Amy, there's six... um, unmarked police cars at your house, what's going on, Um, made a couple of phone calls, um, had to wait several hours um, because I was five hours away, um, but had to wait several hours before I was um, able to get confirmation that uh, Mackenzie had passed away. And I remember sitting in the dark and having to tell her brother to say the words out loud that Mackenzie had died. Mm. And nothing can ever prepare you for that. Um, And so the next couple days were just, um, it was just a series of, of steps. Um, and Melanie, you played a huge role in um, helping helping our family get through that. Who knew that you would have to help to plan the funeral of Mackenzie? Um, but we were so thankful that uh, God put you in our path to help make this um, to make this special. You know, one of the things that I've learned along this grief journey is that um, it's very easy for me to get inside of my own grief and only think about me and how this impacts me. But Mackenzie uh, meant a lot to a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that grieved through this process. And being able to have um, people like you in our path that have helped to facilitate um, things like her funeral, th- making it special, giving people a place where they could come and um, celebrate her life and also say goodbye to her. That was huge. Um, so, you know, over the next five years, we've watched God do some really incredible things. Um, I should back up and say that um, I grew up in church and um, I, through different experiences, you know, my dad even went to seminary school. So when I say I grew up in church, it was not just I grew up in church, but 
um, I grew up in a Christian home. And um, when I got to high school, there were some events that happened in our family that um, gave me an opportunity to choose to not pursue Jesus. And that was easy for me. Um, right out of high school, I married Mackenzie's dad, and um, he was not a believer. And so um, it was easy for me to live a life that um, wasn't, I just didn't have a relationship with Jesus. But the cool thing that happens is because early on I had asked Jesus into my heart, even though I wasn't pursuing him, he was still pursuing me. Mm-hmm. And there were, I can think back to different times in my life where um, he gave me opportunities to place my faith in him. He gave me opportunities to publicly share um, my belief and love for him. And on some occasions I did and some I didn't. But um, I can remember when Mackenzie was five years old, um, her kindergarten teacher called me one day at home and I think the reason she felt comfortable calling is because Mackenzie was going to the same school that I had gone to in elementary school so um, the lady knew me and she said Amy I just had to call you and tell you that um, Mackenzie told our class today that her mother would not allow her to go to church and I was devastated. Um, I was so embarrassed because what do you mean I won't allow you to go to church? But the reality is in a five-year-old's mind, her mother wasn't taking her to church. Mm -hmm. And so in her mind, I'm not allowing that activity. I'm Mm -hmm. not. And and I just thought, you know, I can look back now and see, see times where Mackenzie was way more mature. Even at five years old, she was way more mature in her faith than I was. Um, and so fast forward to when Mackenzie dies, one of the things that, um, that I know to be true is that, um, you know, God doesn't find joy when somebody dies, but he can use all things for his, for the good of those that love the Lord. That's what the Bible says, right? And he, um, can use it if if we if we say yes to him then it can also be used for his glory and so when i was at my lowest you know I, again you're not prepared for for what you go through with the grief of losing a child but um he can use those opportunities to help you realize again that there is no, uh, there's nothing on this earth, there's no living being that you can turn to that's going to solve this for you. There's nobody that's going to take this kind of pain away from you. You can surrender it to Him and He can help um, bring you out of the darkness towards the light. He can um, help you take steps um, to, to soothe your heart if you allow Him to. And so, through Mackenzie's death, I was able to resurrect my relationship with Jesus. Mm. And that's pretty powerful. Mm. Yes, because that's Romans eight twenty eight, And the, the caveat of that verse is, it's not that just God works things out for good. 
which a lot of people take out of context. It's that he works it out for good for those who love the Lord. Mm -hmm. That is the key. And so even through something so tragic as that that day, which was devastating to all of us that, you know, we'll never forget that day and that she was on our doorstep, you know, an hour before she left town, got to hug Madison's neck just to say goodbye, I'll see you later, because um, she left something in our house the night before. Um, just to know that Madison had that moment with her is amazing. Mm. But God had, God knew nothing happens that he doesn't already know and that he hasn't already sifted through his fingers of grace and mercy. Um, but he knows what is coming in the future because of that. Okay. So her legacy of faith has been absolutely incredible for someone who made it public and made that bold profession only two years before she passed away. Mm -hmm. She already had a heart for Christ, but God was drawing her to himself um, through those years. And just to see how he brought all that together has been amazing. Um, so you've already explained a little bit about how God strengthened your faith and how he's grown um, some of your faith and to draw you back to himself. But I would love to hear a little bit more about, um, personally, what did you learn about God's character himself through this? You know, what what sticks out in your mind of God saying who he says he is? What did you come to really believe about him? You know, so there's that period of time where I wasn't pursuing him. He was still pursuing me. and. Um, in that period, lots you live life, and there's things that you do that are not pleasing to Him. Um, whether you recognize it or not, that's the reality. And to what I've learned about His character is that, um, you know, you hear the cliches like, I should love people like Jesus does, and what would Jesus do, and that kind of thing. Like, I have, I am one of those people. I'm a living example of... Um, Jesus loves all the little children of the world. I'm still his child. And um, he, just by saying yes to him again, one day at a time, and, and in some cases it was one breath at a time, mm. one minute, one hour, um, he, will, he, he will do what he says he does. He makes promises to you that only he can fulfill. So true. One of those is, you know, through this, um, I, I'm divorced from one husband, um, but I'm now married to another one. And one of the, one of the promises um, that God made to me was um, that if you'll let go of what is not from me, I will restore what you've lost. And um, my husband is an example of that. Um, the 150 children that we support in Uganda um, are an example of that. You know, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven for him to restore what you've lost. He will restore it here on earth. It's not going to look like um, what you think it should look like. You know, ideally, I would have Mackenzie back with me, right? Um, that's not how this works is that we're not you know Mary and Martha and Lazarus that's not this story but um, he's given me um, he's restored back what 
what I've lost and it looks different but it's exciting and it's a new season and it um, gives me hope for not just my future but for the future of so many other people that um, are seeking um, Christ or, or maybe they aren't seeking Christ they're seeking something to um, fill a void in their life or um, to get through a grief or a loss of something whether it's a person or something else um, it gives me hope for them too that's awesome I was thinking when you said you know this isn't a the Mary Martha and Lazarus story because you know God raised Lazarus from the dead but the point of that story was for God to get glory at a specific time in a specific place for a specific reason hmm. while Christ was here on earth to show who he was and to show who the Father is. He's still doing that. It may not look like that story. It's the story he's writing with our lives, but especially with the one we're talking about today, he's getting glory hmm. through his restoration of um Mackenzie's heart and bringing it to himself, bringing her to himself. So being able to experience his glory in a different way and continue to watch him work, um, even though she's not physically here with us, um, knowing that we're still all the body of Christ and we're all functioning to bring him glory, mm -hmm. however he sees fit when we say yes. So that brings us to the next portion of the story. And don't worry, I'm not leaving Sammy out. I know you want to hear him speak and his great accent. Um, so we're going to ask him some questions in a minute. But I want to fast forward to how God deposited this dream of Mackenzie's into your heart and even Sammy's heart and how you both have embraced that dream as your own now because God's called you to do something that he had started in McKinsey. Yeah, so this is a pretty cool story. Um, I am um, also, um, or I'm, I'm a recovering control addict. <laughs> Are we not all? Yes. <laughs> um, and so uh, when um, Mackenzie passed away, she had made a trip to Uganda previously, and she had helped to build a boy's home there. And um, one of the things that happened, uh, she passed away February of 2015, March of 2015, that boy's home that she had um, helped work on um, was complete. First-time residents were moving in, and... Uh, they named that house the McKenzie House. And mm -hmm. so a local church here was partnering with a church there in Uganda. The church here asked, would I like to go meet the people um, and experience what McKenzie experienced? And I said, no, thank you. I am not interested. Um, so over a period of time, God um, really worked on my heart. And but again, I am and I was feeling like I was in control. And I, honestly, my life was out of control at that point. And so um, eventually they wore me down. I said, sure, I'll go. But in my head, I'm going to Africa to please somebody else, not me, yeah. not to do anything in me for me. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this, see what they want me to see, be seen, and then I need to come home and put my life back together because in my head, I can do that. I have the power to do that. Um, so I'm on a trip with 17 other people. Three of um, Mackenzie's best friends went with me, and 
um, everybody's so excited to go and I'm over there with my arms crossed all 30 hours of the trip like okay you know when are we going to be there um, and I get to the um, airport in Uganda and that attitude lasted all the way till I got to the door <laughs> and I'm greeted by um, a bigger than life um, not physically but um, just her personality a pastor named Desire and um, Desire just embraces me and automatically I knew that something was about to happen I didn't know what it was um, but my whole attitude my whole something on the inside was changing very um rapidly but um, it was like almost piece by piece things were being chipped away around my heart um and so i experienced it was almost like i grieved at the whole 10 days that i was there it was the whole grieving process started back over again because i was meeting people that um, Mackenzie meant something to them. They, I had no idea the impact that she had and the friendships that she had built with people there. Um, and so I was able to um, meet people. And I'll tell you a quick story. Um, one of the defining moments for me, a child came up to me at church and he tapped me on the shoulder and in broken English asked me, did I, he said, do you know Mackenzie? And I said, yes. And he said, Mackenzie Cook. I said, yes, I'm her mother. And he said, Mackenzie taught me at street school. And um, I now live in the Mackenzie house. And it totally, like, that was the moment that cemented for me that um, what God had called her to do there was really him preparing a way for me to come to Uganda. I still had no idea what exactly that meant, mm -hmm. but this child, um, through that one very short um, conversation, opened up a part of my heart and, and really in my brain um, connected some pieces for me about what was to come. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was. I gave him a picture. I had my, my bag with me, and there was. I had a picture of uh, Mackenzie and I, an actual picture picture, um, and I I gave it to him. And um, years later, his social worker sent me a message and said I was going through Brian's things today, and I found this picture in his Bible, and this is a kid who's homeless, and has moved from place to place to place, kept his Bible and kept this picture. And it just, things like that re have reinforced along the way that um, this dream that Mackenzie had of adopting 18 Ugandan boys <laughs> as a boys. single, boys no less. And I said, Mackenzie, they'll grow up to be 18 men. You know that. Wow. Um, it really, it, things like that have cemented for me that this dream is, is not, it's not from me. Mm -hmm. um, it started with her. It wasn't even from her though. It, he, God has used um, all, all of the experiences that we've had over the years, put them together and to prepare us for, for what we were about to step into. Wow, that is just incredible. So, Sammy, yes, um, just tell us a little bit about how what McKenzie was looking forward to doing has now become part of yours and Amy's mission and ministry together as husband and wife. Mm -hmm. When she came to Uganda, um, 
she really said she had found her new forever home. Mm. And she quickly fell in love with the children who unfortunately now were living on the streets of Uganda, of Kampala. Her passion, after a few weeks of serving them, was to go back to Uganda and adopt 18 children. <laughs> and I don't even know where she was going to put them <laughs> and, and raise them up. But I just have no idea how she was thinking of pulling that off. But looking at these children's lives, uh, having the opportunity to work through the conversations of why they came on the street, what brings them to the street? Most of them were told when you come to the city, you will get a job, you'll have a good life. And they just ran away from home to come to Kampala to have a new life, which is definitely not there. They would end up on the street. Others would be mistreated back home. Others would really have no care at home because their parents were drunkards. They never used, they would never take care of them and they would come on the street. When, when Amy came to Uganda to, like she said on, on that trip, and we served those children for a week, when we went to my village, which is seven hours from the city, it was evident that if we are to make a difference in these children's lives, we need to begin from the grassroots, exactly from the families where they come from be able to stop that transition from the village to town. And so the, that picture of children in their homes, children in their families, continued to uh, ring in our minds. And, and God, I don't know how God was doing it, but he was breaking our hearts for those children in that village. Mm. And so uh, finally, I don't even remember how this exactly happened, but we, we said... What if we started with these children in our village? What if we, we were able to provide them a way to go to school because some of them were not going to school, their parents could not pay school fees? What if we made a way for them to go to school and prevent them from coming to town? So we agreed <laughs> with this audacious dream that we are going to take care of 20 children. I tell you, 20 was... Phenomenal, wow. <laughs> massive. And so we, we worked with the local community, the church leaders in the village, with the government officials on the village level to identify children from vulnerable homes who don't have school fees and we can take care of them. So we're able to come up with a list of 20 who we then provided for school fees, uniform, scholastic materials, and they went to school. Now, unfortunately, that's beautiful, but in the process of doing that, we discovered uh, hundreds of children who need that kind of support. Wow. And so the dream that started with 20 children f like began to expand in hearts for us to want to include more children that were in that position. The next following time we added more, they became 50, we're like, oh my goodness, this is too big. <laughs> but before long, we were at 150 children. Wow. Almost every time we would add 20 or 80 or 50 children. Uh, 
And so we started taking care of these children, providing them with scholastic materials. Now, when I say providing them, it's not necessarily us who are paying all that. It was people here in the United States, people from across the world contributing, putting in this basket, and then we would take the basket back home and provide for these children. And so what started with 20 children has now become a huge dream that God is building within us and a call to love, serve, and restore hope to these children in Uganda. Wow. And is God not the most incredible multiplier? I mean, he calls us to be disciples and for us to disciple others. And as Mm. more disciples are made, the kingdom grows. Yes. And Mackenzie started with 18 children in her mind Mm -hmm. that she was going to adopt. She put or God put one more in Amy, one more in you. There we go. We got 20 <laughs> And y'all were trying to figure out what Mackenzie was going to do with 18. And now he's multiplied that to 150 <laughs> students. Yes. I, I just, I'm blown away every time I think about this story. It absolutely overwhelms me to, you know, just know what God's doing mm. um, through this little thing eight-year-old that walked into our hearts years and years ago. So let's get to the um, nitty-gritty then. Um, I know there are people out there listening that, well, how can I get involved with the McKinsey Foundation? What what does it entail? Um, how can I volunteer? How can I give? What? How could you explain to people how they could be involved with what's going on? Okay. Um, to give you the best picture of what is most important is to let you know that I, I really come from this small village surrounded by hills in the middle of nowhere. There's no phone network. There is no electricity until recently when they were trying to bring it in. Growing up, all I knew in this village was just going to the garden to dig, coming back home and repeating that for life. And the only ray of hope that I had was education. It's the only time I would skip from, I would go from home and meet other children. And by God's grace, I had the opportunity to go to school in a a school that is is out of that village. So I started to explore life through education. Most of these children in this village don't have the opportunity of going out of that village at all. They grow up to become big men who have lived their entire life in that small village surrounded by hills. And so education has become the almost like the only hope of expanding their opportunities and possibilities in life. And that's why when God called us with this vision, education was at the heart of what we can do for these children. Now, at the moment, what we are doing, we are providing them with school fees, scholastic materials like uniform, books, pens, pencils, shoes, school bags, and on top of that, supplying them with, uh, giving them breakfast, because most of them actually don't have food at home. Mm. So the breakfast at school is sometimes the one meal they have in a day. So... To partner with us, one of the areas definitely you can be involved in is contributing to the money that goes into creating these scholastic materials for them and providing breakfast for these children. 
Absolutely. That's one of the areas. And we, we welcome that. But God has challenged us with even a huge vision to build a school in this village. A school that can host these children, can welcome these children, more children than we can possibly take care of now, where they can, first of all, find community, receive better education, explore their talents in music, dance, and drama, and art, and also an environment where we can train parents in some skills that can generate income, like sewing, create, uh, uh, putting together uniform and all that cool stuff. And so not only do we believe that God is going to make that happen, but we believe that he will work through people like you who you might have a skill in sewing, skills that these parents can learn and can help them to create income. Or you might be, uh, you might want to partner with us in an area of uh, purchasing property to create to where we want to put the school. There are many ways you can partner with us, but maybe I'll let my wife share more about that. <laughs> so the, the, um, the details about partnering with us, we have a website where you can go and get information or, uh, at mckenziefund.org. Um, you can contribute financially there. We are working on um, some trips in the future if somebody is interested in actually going with us um, to physically see the work mm -hmm. that we do, be a part of the physical part of that. Um, everybody's not called to do that, and we absolutely understand that. Um, and we believe that God has made a way for us to be able to do that. And um, if, if you wanna contribute financially, you can certainly do that through our website. Um, and if you just want to know more information and you're not able to get it through that website um, and you'd like to reach out to us, our contact information is there. Mm -hmm. um, certainly Melanie, um, Live in Real Magazine, has a way to um, get in touch with us. Um, we love to share this story and um, we feel like uh, God's given us people like Melanie and Live in Real Magazine, even this podcast. Um, God's given us these platforms and these opportunities um, to share this story with others um, so they too can can join us. And, um, you know, we're all called to serve um, in different ways in different places. And we know that um, this is our assignment from God. And he asked us to um, just be willing to follow after the audacious, uh, audacious dreams that he's put in our hearts. And we know that um, there's, there's people out there that, that want to help these kids. And so um, I hope that that gives you the, the information you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Well, I am just excited that you guys are here with me today and that we've been able to just sit and talk as friends and I get to hear even little tidbits that I don't know. Um, I Every time I get to talk to you, there's something new going on. <laughs> um, and I just, I, I'm honored and humbled to be a part and to be able to help you. Um, with my book, Unlocked Hearts, Unleashed Joy, um, I've committed to give uh, the McKinsey Foundation um, a portion of sales to help kids. And I think with the first, when we launched the book, we were even able to help all 150 kids. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly what I was able to help with, but 
I don't know. That was just amazing. If anybody could get me on the other side of the world, it would be Mackenzie Cook. Because mm-hmm. um, God has not placed that desire um, in my heart to go abroad. But he has given me a passion to help others who are there. And so um, through purchasing my Bible study, that is a, another way that I get to help them out. And so before they leave today, I'll also be giving them a check of what we have been able to, what God's done between <laughs> July and December. So I'm excited to to present that to them. But before we leave today, I would also like to pray with yes. you guys, yes. and then we will close it out. Heavenly Father, we just are in awe of just who you are your love, your graciousness, your mercy, your forgiveness, your passion, and your compassion Mm -hmm. for your people. Father, none of this would be possible without your redemptive plan of saving us from ourselves and from sin and from releasing that, um, the chains that have bound us to, um, to be on a path towards death instead of life. Mm-hmm. But through Jesus Christ, you have provided a way. You have created that bridge that crosses the great chasm between us and you. And Father, we just give you praise and honor and glory for what you've done through your Son. And Lord, I thank you today for my friends, Sammy, and for Amy, and for our friend Mackenzie, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I just thank you for what you Um, the seed that you planted there in that little heart and in that old soul Mm -hmm. of hers and the even the conversation that you allowed Rick and I to have with her sitting in our den that night and her telling us where she was headed that she was going to Uganda as soon as she um, graduated from school father I just give you praise for all the conversations that you've allowed us to have with her mm-hmm. and um, now to see what she dreamt um, has come to fruition through her mm-hmm. mom and through um, now her husband Sammy and I just pray father a huge blessing on their walks their steps of obedience as individuals and now as one and what you will do with their um, surrendering to you. And I just pray that many people will get involved, that um, what you have given them a vision for will come to fruition, and that the harvest is amazing as they share Jesus with these um, villages, with the people, with the children, not only through just getting a good education, Father, but bringing them Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, continue to wrap your arms around them, that you would give them um, more faith, that you Mm -hmm. would grow that in their hearts as they continue to um, step one day at a time and partner with you to do kingdom work. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you again for being here today. And uh, we will see you next time. This podcast it will be our February podcast. The next one will be in April. Thank you so much and have a blessed day. Well, that's a wrap, you guys. I pray today's conversation has encouraged you, challenged you, and most of all, pointed you to the source of our faith, Jesus. If you would like to know more about Living Real Magazine, please visit our website at livingrealmag.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livingrealmag. 
And until next time, remember, let's keep it real for Jesus' sake.